Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. I am back here with... Halo guy to talk about more lore in the third part of our unplanned lore series. And how many parts will this be? I mean, it could be exciting. This maybe maybe you're like the uh, the evolution after Haruspis. Maybe this will be a ten part series. I don't know. That's a that's a pretty good thing to follow up, isn't it? I mean, th- those are some uh, pretty big shoes to fill. I don't know. We'll see how this yeah. goes. I like it. At least with yours is more. Yours is like in some ways yours is more fun because it's it's less structured with. With uh, Alex, it was very much like, okay, Halo 4 from the very inception. Okay, now the beginning, now the marketing, all the way up to the game and stuff released. But this is just kind of more uh, free balling type stuff. But uh, yeah, so I messaged uh, Halo Guy and I was like, let's talk about lore in Halo exclusively in a post-Infinite world. You know, if, if you look at like the original trilogy, the lore was kind of heavily based around um, what would happen with the Covenant and them trying to light the rings and humanity you know trying to survive and then it kind of like in a post uh or past bungee um it kind of went into forerunner specific stuff you know halo 4 was very very heavy on like the forerunners and what they did in the past and then halo 5 carried the forerunner thing forward but also kind of you know fixated on the ai stuff and then now you have infinite years later it's kind of put it's kind of put to rest the ai created uprising type stuff and the Forerunner stuff's definitely still there. I mean, the whole Halo universe is so deeply embedded in Forerunner technology and architecture and, and planets and whatnot. Um, but for me, at least, upon finishing Halo Infinite, the uh, the big mystery seems to be around the, the Zalanin and the Endless and the, the, this alien race that uh, that the they were. Let's see, they were immune to the the, the rings firing. Is that correct? Um, Yeah, so that seems to be what it is implying, that they are immune to the effects of the Halo ring. Now, I've got some crazy theories on that if you want to just jump right in. This is the place. Let's hear them right off the bat. So I do do have this one idea um, that the Zalanin are not actually technically immune to... uh, Okay to the halo rings now and I, I probably a lot of people would disagree with me on this one that's fine but i in the meantime while we are waiting on more story i'm just going to make all the theories i want um but i did have this idea that the precursors actually um locked the zalanin away originally and that whatever they were locked away in was undid 
when the Halo Array fired. Hmm. Now, okay. if you remember, now we were t- you were talking Forerunner stuff. Now we have the Primordial, who is the last yep. remaining precursor. Now, what happened when the original one of the original test Halos was fired? The primor- Primordial was unlocked, right? He was in this like stasis chamber. I can't remember oh, exactly how it was. Um, but as soon as the Halo ring was test fired, he was unlocked, and then that kind of started a whole chain of events um, in the Forerunner saga. Now, now what I was thinking was it is possible that the precursors created the Zalanin as well as the humans and the Forerunners and all these different things. Now, if you remember, the Forerunners were worried, and the reason they went after humanity in some sort of way is because they were worried they were going to lose the mantle of responsibility and that the... Mm-hmm precursors were going to wipe them out now we don't know what wiping them out means but what if the zalanin were an a a race the precursors made and that they had already failed to live up to the mantle and that the zal or the zalanin were locked away by the precursors now whenever the halo rings were fired they didn't necessarily survive the halo array but what if they were unlocked and then that is when the foreigners discovered them and they were like, hey, what is this, you know, this new race, this, that and the other. Um, and that's just kind of one one idea. I don't know if there's any holes to poke in it, um, but that's kind of one idea I do have about about the precursors or the Zalanin is that they predate all of us, ancient humanity, foreigners, all of it. Well, I have a couple things. And well, so then one, it seems your your predominant theory is that the, the Zalanin are not the precursors. Like they're not one and the same in your opinion. They are not one of the same, but I think they share a more specific genetic code with the precursors, which is exactly why when the precursors created the foreigners and the humans, they made them distinct enough from the precursors because they knew they couldn't make them exactly the same because it would be dangerous to the galaxy. And so okay. they would be kind of like our older siblings, uh, the Zalanin. They were created in more of a likeness of the precursors. What for whatever reason the precursor said, "Nope, got to get rid of this," and then locked him away. And do we? I mean, are we under the belief that the Zalanin are more powerful than Forerunners? Because I mean, we have that line in in Halo Infinite where Cortana's talking to is it Despondent Pyre, and she's like, yeah. "Oh, the Flood. I'm not worried about them. It's something much worse than the Flood." She's referring to the Zalanin, right? And, so. and and so and and the reason I say that too is because the Zalanin, according to the Halo Encyclopedia, they have something that, or at least the Harbinger, they an, a special attunement uh, to living time itself. And and by attunement, it just means that they have um, a certain ability to either manipulate or be in tune with living time, which is kind of this like really like ethereal idea of you know of what kind of controls the Halo universe at large. And, and the foreigners always tried to tap into living time and the librarian especially tried to be in tune with it as well. But I think the Zalanin have a very special attunement to it, which is very similar to the precursors. And there's a ton of stuff that the Harbinger does that is just like, like, wow, super, super close to, um, for example, she quotes lines that, that the grave mind quotes, you know, mm-hmm. um, she can also, if, if you read, um, this won't spoil it too much, but if you haven't read um, Rubicon Protocol yet, there are some very specific things that the Harbinger does 
that are identical to what the primordial does whenever the, or not primordial, uh, well, I guess technically, but what the grave mind is doing um, in between Halo 2 and 3, Cortana is left with the grave mind. Sorry if I'm just going all over the place right now. I realize no, go all over place. once I start, it. I just kind of go. Just um, keep going. <laughs> but between Halo 2 and Halo 3, there is a short story called Human Weakness. And in Human Weakness, yeah. um, Cortana is kind of going up against the grave mind. And what the grave mind is trying to do is kind of usurp her knowledge and bring her in so that he can take over her and learn everything about humanity and all that other stuff. Now, there are some very specific things that the primor- the grave mind does to her that are identical to what the harbinger does to Lucas Browning whenever he is under her control. And that all takes place in the book uh, Rubicon Protocol. He's also mentioned in the game, isn't he? Lucas Browning audio log, or is that not? One? Yeah, he's he's mentioned in the game. Um and well, yeah, all in the all in the audio logs, but there's a little bit more in detail. Um, and one of the things that that really caught my eye is that the grave mind, whenever he was taking control of Cortana, he was actually making her feel in a very real and biological way for the first time in a way that she had never felt before. Um, like she could feel things and like she's an AI. Right. So but now she could literally feel um, and one of the sensations that she said the grave mind gave to her was a scratching, itching si- sensation as if spiders were crawling all over her. And it's literally the exact same sensation that Lucas Browning describes in Rubicon Protocol that the Harbinger mm-hmm. does to him. Same exact thing. And then and then he says that as he felt this, he felt her burrowing deeper and deeper into her mind, which is exactly what Cortana said the grave mind did to him or to her. And then... Um, there were some other things too. Oh, she was able to physically affect Lucas Browning's like like physical state um, at a distance. So he said that every time he would have a meeting with the Harbinger at a certain pace, like away from her, he was already beginning to feel the effects of her. I can't remember what it says in the books, but he's like so many paces down the hallway, I would immediately begin to feel like her effects on him mentally or whatever. And so these are all, you know, things that I think are connected to the precursors in a really big way. And I don't mean to plug myself, but I did make a video on this very topic. If anyone is, is interested in looking that back up, um, I did it a couple of months ago. So some of the details are kind of fuzzy, but yeah, I definitely think there is a big connection between them. And if I could go back real quick, um, one of the reasons why I think that they, the Zalanin were locked away um, by the precursors is because of the ring artifacts that we see on Zeta Halo. Yeah. Um, right. They are specifically mentioned as being older than the foreigners themselves. And the data is older than the foreigners and more unique than the foreigners because the weapon doesn't know how to translate it immediately. So what that tells me and if oh and one of the markings on it says enemy within what that tells me is that somebody older than the pre or older than the forerunners created these ring artifacts that we see on zeta halo and labeled them with certain data so that people wouldn't unlock them at a later time um and what i think happened is the criterion that we hear talking at the end of Halo Infinite that I believe Chant to Green, who is the librarian's replacement, I believe she is part of that criterion. Um, what I think happened is the Zalanin were locked away on their home planet by the precursors. 
with those ring artifacts on their planet that we're saying enemy within basically do not open up what is underneath here. And what I think happened is those ring artifacts were transplanted onto Zeta Halo. Either that or Zeta Halo was not created by the foreigners, which is another theory I have as well. I don't really? know if you want to oh, okay, get into that. Well, I, well, okay. <laughs> let's come back to the Zeta Halo thing because I do want to hear that. All right. Um, yeah, let's, we'll come back the to two, that. The two questions I would have had then is, so you're kind of seeing, in your opinion, you're kind of seeing the Zalanin, the Endless, as like a third pillar to the whole precursor flood thing, right? Because like the flood we know is like a dust version of of the precursors. They kind of put themselves down into this dust and then it mutated like a dog-like creature and became the flood and whatever. Um, and then you have the 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 Zalanin, um, which you're saying a lot of her lingo, or the Harbinger from Halo Infinite, a lot of her lingo is like the grave mind, which would be flood. So they're kind of like all, like they're three separate things, but they're kind of working together in a sense. Is that kind of how you see it? I don't know if they're working together or not, but I do see them as not three not as in like allies, but as okay. in like symbiotic relationship. Of yes, sort. I do think they share a more a unique genetic code that they all have that are that is much more similar to them than what humanity and the foreigners share. I think they are a separate thing. I, I purposely think that the precursors created humanity and the foreigners in a way so that we would not rise to the level of, of danger that they, that they saw apparently in the precursors, if they locked him up, according to what I am going in the endless, you mean, right? In, in the endless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many different ideas because there's another, there's a line in the um, Halo Foreigner uh, trilogy or saga that that Greg Bear did. Um, it, it says even after the precursors kind of had their, I don't, well, however you want to call it, they're falling out with the foreigners, if you would. There's yeah. a very interesting line in there that says, but creation continued. Um, and so there's another thought. Well, maybe, maybe the Zalanin don't predate all of us, but maybe the Zalanin were created as a weapon or a balance, if you would, um, to balance living time against humanity and the foreigners. So if if the foreigner saga says creation continued by the precursors, maybe they were a secret project that the precursors had at one point to balance living time in the universe against what humanity and the foreigners would eventually become. Um, and that's another thought too. I don't know. That's not one I've thought too much about, but it's it's another idea that I have. Okay, where do you think – so that's kind of tackling the, the – to me is the most interesting part of the Zalan and the Endless. Where do you see – do you have any ideas for like how the Banished play into the future of the lore of the series? Or is it just as simple as, you know, we got to have our Covenant faction that's going to be involved in all this because that's Halo? Or do you think there's something bigger at work? I mean, yeah, I think the simple answer is like what you just said. Yeah, that is, that's Halo. We have to have our Covenant replacement faction. And you could eventually see, and and this is something, so this is something too that I think Halo has the potential for if it is done correctly. Um, you could have like a Halo 3 type moment where everybody has to come together for a little bit to defeat a common foe. Um, and that includes humanity, 
That includes um, the banished. Um, if there's any covenant remnants that are left, um, heck, even even the flood, right? Because if you remember at the end of uh, Avengers Endgame, when just everybody is there yeah. all at once, and it's like, all right, Thanos, like here it is, like we're here to fight you now, like you and yeah. and there was a little bit of that at the end of Halo Three, um, when everybody kind of came together and we're like, hey, we gotta we gotta stop this this single threat that we're all kind of united against, right? Yeah, um, I could totally see something like that happening um, with with halo um having this kind of climactic end um that lets the banish the uh, humanity um even the flood wouldn't that be kind of cool uh, i don't know how that would work yeah. out but like what a something similar uh, to three maybe something or... similar to three where they have to make you know like could you imagine like just could you imagine if the if they wrote it in the way where the precursor or sorry the zalanin really are more dangerous than the flood as they've been saying and we have to go to Zeta Halo and purposely unlock the flood. What kind of twist would that be on the Halo story? Oh yeah, that we've cre- we've cool. met our our Thanos, if you would, where we all like we are so desperate to stop this enemy force that potentially the precursors themselves locked away. Um, we have to unlock our greatest threat in order to to go after them. I think that would be that would be nuts. That would be cool, especially if there's like a mission where like you know everything's. Everything's sunny and green and happy, you know, like you're fighting Covenant and whatnot, but like are, are, are banished. But then there's a mission where you have to like go deep within this facility and release the, the flood because it's the only way to, to take over this threat. And then like the next level after that, it's like dark and grim and there's like wailing and screaming as floods just like pour yes. across the universe. And it's kind uh, of like, what have we done type moment. Yeah. But, you know, so I know there's a lot of a lot of halo fans and when i say a lot of halo fans i mean the majority of them that are on twitter that want to see the flood return and i'm kind of at the point and me and you might disagree on, on this i don't really know um but i'm at the point where like i'm excited for the endless and the zaladin just because like i want to try something new like we we did the flood i'm with you josh wants uh co-host josh wants uh he wants the flood back now let me preface this because every time i say i'm okay with the flood not returning i get hit with the same comment every time i completely understand that the flood is as foundational to halo as everything else like the flood is the reason the halo universe exists like i get that they are they are integral to who the precursors were and to who the primordial was um, the new Halo Encyclopedia really actually makes it look like the whole dust thing wasn't an accident. Um, the new Encyclopedia mm. basically says the Primordial did it on purpose um, and that not all precursors shared the same ideas. So it wasn't as if like the Primordial um, kind of represents all precursors. Like when he says like um, misery and suffering is sweetness to him, that isn't like a generalized like okay. precursor thought. Um, but it looks like the, the primordial intentionally had this dust laying around that would evolve into what would eventually become the flood as revenge against the foreigners and everything else. Um, I think I lost my train of thought. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I was talking about how I don't want the flood to return. But anyway, I get it. They are foundational to the story and lore of Halo. But what if there was a way to introduce a new group like the Enlist or the Zalon and something exciting that – you could kind of retcon older things that would make it look like the Zalanin were the one pulling the strings all along. 
Uh, and I don't know if that's possible or not, but if the flood do return, I want them to return in a really, really good way. Not just as fan service or nostalgic. Like, oh, they're out again type. Oh, they're out again. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. we've, we've yeah. done that before, which is why my idea of this kind of like MCU Avengers Endgame type deal, like what if we unlocked the flood? Like how yeah. crazy would that be? Or if the Zalanin unlocked them and they work together, I don't know. It has to be, it can't just be like, oh, they're, they're out again. Like it has to be better than that. It has to be better written than that. It has to be something more. And I, I don't know what that looks like. Um, yeah, but somebody has to figure that out if if the flood are to especially return. since that's the core of the the original trilogy is like putting an end to to what they've unleashed. You know, if they and in, a, in a sense, I think it works because Halo Wars Two is a spinoff RTS. But in a sense, they kind of already pulled that card anyways. Like, oh, actually, some are still out there loose, and we got to. They use that for the Halo Wars Two DLC, which I loved, and I'm, I'm happy that it's there. But like, maybe. Not maybe make it much more instrumental if it's going to be in a main FPS title. But I think I think you might have hit the nail on the head with that one. Though. I mean, but isn't releasing the flood in an RTS a little bit different than doing it in a mainline, you know, yeah. Halo game? You know what Absolutely. I mean? And and I think that's what they were going for with that. Um, and I think it works perfectly fine for Halo Wars Two as a DLC. Um, but there are you know there are things that 343 has done over the years that kind of hints that you know the flood are still out there um for example in the Spartan 4 field manual i'm sure there's someone out here who knows better than i am and i might be misquoting it but i'm pretty sure it's the Spartan 4 field manual it talks about the flood and how there are um like more flood um, protected Mjolnir armor suits, I guess. If you uh, and that there are there are Spartans dedicated to, com- to combating the flood, basically. Mm. And um, anyway, what the the field manual goes on to say, and the reason you haven't heard of any flood outbreaks is because these Spartan fours do such a good job at containing them, basically. Uh, so it makes it appear like the the threat is still there. If you read Halo yeah. Point of Light. It clearly says the flood still remain on Zeta Halo, and Guilty Spark even goes so far as to say, like, "Hey, there's some substructure in here who uh, the power's been out for a long time, and there's flood here, and the humans are kind of like, uh, does that mean they can escape?" And he's like, "No, I think we'll be all right." Like, there's clear plot points that three four three has done to say, like, they are still a clear and present danger. We're just focusing on other things right now. Yeah, so that that brings me to another couple of things. Like, so at the end of Halo Infinite, you have um, offensive bias being brought up into the mix. Then you have things like behind the lore with like a Rion Forge and three four three Guilty Spark doing things, and you have Halsey's motivations that have been touched on before in the past and stuff. And do you get the vibe that all of this is culminating in some? central thing or that 343 is just expanding the universe in different ways so they can pull threads when they feel like it and also do you think there's much of an idea for where the follow-up to infinite's going right now or that's just kind of nebulously unwritten i mean i know with the things going on at 343 it makes you wonder like do they have a plan for the story going forward or is it kind of just like we got infinite out the door and now we don't know that's a lot of questions there but what do you think no, that's good. So first, I, I don't think it's kind of just in the nebulous hanging out as far as like the next story of Halo. I don't think they, at least from everything I've heard, I don't think there's been like specific uh, like writers attached to like starting the story. 
But I, I would imagine that the ideas are there and that they know in a general direction of where they want to go. Um, now, with that being said, I don't um, – to uh, get back to your original question, I, I, don't, I do see it as – the 343 expanding the universe with all this like different story uh, arcs and stuff that you were just mentioning so that they can pull those threads when they need to at a different point. But I also do see it culminating um, at a certain place. And I think that culmination will take place on the arc with all these different factions that I mentioned earlier. Um, And I think we might see kind of like a revisit to Halo 3. I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is I think there is a reason they canned Halo Wars 3 and mm. that we are still seeing Halo Wars type stuff written about in the books. Like I'm I'm literally rereading Divine Wind right now, um, which is all about the Spirit of Fire and you got yeah, Veda Lopez really on the Ark and everything like that going on. Um, I'm almost done with it. Um, there's a lot of stuff I'm picking up on that I didn't pick up on the first time. Um, but I do think that there is potential for either a culmination on the arc or on Zeta Halo. Personally, I would prefer it to be on Zeta Halo. Um, if you're asking me, cause like we talked about with the flood earlier, I feel like the arc, um, it, it had its time and I think returning there would be kind of cool. It'd be fan service, but I think doing something like that on, on, Zeta Halo would be even cooler. But I do we think we already returned to it in Halo Wars as well. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think that there's something I there's a reason so to the your first two questions. They were doing all these extra narrative stuff obviously in order to just expand the Halo universe and to have different threads they can pull from, but I do think they are culminating that story in a central place or at a central time. I don't know if it's going to be like an in-game type thing. And I keep referring to that because I can't think of really anything else off the top of my head that kind of explains how I feel um, Halo could potentially go. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. And um, and this is something that, that me and you have kind of loosely talked about online is just like with the different books and things that are coming out. And it's really all that we have kind of at the moment yeah. and this might be a, a topic of conversation in and of itself um i 343 has done more to expand halo's world and universe than bungie ever did and this isn't a dig on bungie it's just different priorities bungie did not prioritize yeah, external different priorities work. is a way to good way to put it yeah. it is it is yeah and i'm not dogging on what bungie did or didn't do but they just have different priorities and i think that what 343 ultimately is doing is they're just trying to create a universe that is large enough to where they can pull things. I mean, look at the MCU, for example. And I'm sorry I keep going back to the MCU. But look at what they are able to do in every film they come up with. They're able to pull from different parts of the universe, like in, in every scene. You know what I mean? They they have so much content they can pull from and just be like, okay, yeah, we're going to put all these things and now boom, now it's a movie, but you know, from it's from media that has existed on its own for decades. Um, and that's not something I think three, four, three needs to replicate or that they should even try to replicate. I'm just saying in a small scale way, they're creating their universe that they can tie into when they want to. Yeah. Okay. Um, well I have kind of, well, first of all, I want to go before I forget it. I want to go back to, you said that you think, Zeta Halo might not have been made by uh, Forerunners. Like, no, what, I, I am personally leaning very hard to the fact that 
the um, that it was not created by the foreigners. And I know there's going to be a lot of um, people who know a lot more about Halo than me that will disagree with that. And I think that's cool. We can we can hash that out. But I do think Zeta Halo ex- pre-exists all the other Halos um, and that Faber, the master builder. So we read about Faber, the master uh, builder or whatever in um, the Forerunner saga. He's the one that kind of comes up with the idea of the Halo rings. And he's a yeah. shady dude in and of itself. And then you have the original Didact, the Erdidact, who was kind of against the firing of the Halo arrays originally. And he wanted to create he wanted the, the shield, shield worlds, world. didn't he? Yep, yeah. exactly. Sorry, so he was going. You. No, no, you're totally cool. Uh, he wanted the shield worlds. And there was a big debate. Highly recommend. Just go read those books if you have it. Um, yeah. <laughs> for real. <laughs> what are you waiting for? They've been out for so like a good. decade. So good. Um, but anyway, Faber is a shady guy. And he comes up with this idea of ring worlds where they can basically fire them and kill everything. Now, one thing that I think is kind of weird is later on, it's the librarian who comes out and basically says, hey, we can also use these these ring worlds as conservation efforts to not you know, mess up the mantle of responsibility, basically. And you can use them to have people inhabit them um, as well as be a weapon. Now, I don't think that was Faber's original intention, first of all, because I think Faber found a ring, and that ring was Zeta Halo. And maybe it wasn't him that found it, but I think he modeled the idea of the Halo array based off of something that pre-existed the foreigners. And I think that that ring that he found or discovered and kept secret to himself was Zeta Halo. And... That kind of goes back to my other theory about the Zalanin being locked up by the um, precursors and that the Halos were originally intended to do something else. Um, not necessarily kill all sentient life, but to to be a prison, if you would. Um, and that's what I think the, the precursors were using them for. And there's a potential that Faber kind of stumbled upon it and took the credit for himself and wanted to to roll with it hey i now have that's this a cool that's a cool idea yeah and now he has this massive weapon you know he he was power hungry and now he gets to kind of wield that against his foes and then they tested it out on the sanshium home world um and then the consequences were some very bad things that Faber didn't intend because i don't think he fully understood what he was going for with it and i i like the idea too because like what if zeta halo was a precursor construct and like all the other halos, you know, not all of them, but like the original one that Faber built were destroyed. And then they rebuilt all the new ones that we know of now today. But like, what if the Zeta Halo was like this one remaining like precursor artifact? I think that would be like, that'd be pretty cool. I don't know. That just, especially me. since like all of the forerunners credit, you know, gets modeled after like what they copied from the precursors then. Now refresh my memory. Was it only Zeta Halo or was it all of the Halo original Halo rings that got reduced in size by three times less the size? It was it was only Zeta, wasn't it? You um, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was only Zeta because all the other ones I think so. were... Yeah, I'm probably discrediting myself on this one. But Zeta was reduced because it was going through... It was basically like needling and threading itself through a moon or something like that. 
and it was like losing pieces of itself. But I think all the other Halos were destroyed, which is why they had, or they were too large or something like that, so which is why they had to make the smaller array that, that we have now. Um, and then one quick thing too that I want to mention about the Harbinger, and this is also why I think that the uh, Zeta Halo, at least in and of itself, is the original ring that the precursors had is because the Harbinger. Now, if you remember that she's using the reformation spires during Halo Infinite's campaign. Now the campaign basically just says that the reformation spires are being used to more or less reconstruct the ring so that it can be used again if needed. Um, and so we see these spires pop up all over the place. Now, the Halo Encyclopedia takes it one step further, and I think there's some context in the game, but it's much more nuanced. Uh, but the Encyclopedia says very explicitly that the Harbinger is attempting to use these Reformation spires to um, realign Zeta Halo's properties in a way that the Forerunners never intended. Now, what that tells me is that Zeta Halo has capabilities that the Forerunners didn't know about the Harbinger knows about, and she wants to use Ada Halo in that way. Now, it doesn't tell us what that way is. I have my own ideas, I guess, on what that could be. But she's going to use Ada Halo in a way the Forerunners did not intend, which makes me think that it's not a Forerunner creation, that it was a Precursor creation, or at, at the worst, a Zalanin creation, which would be even more terrifying, um, and that um, she's going to use it however she wants, and the foreigners had no idea they could even be used that way, which is a new twist on Halo rings, which I think is a cool idea, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, well, it's really it's not even a hard stretch to picture. It's not a hard stretch to picture precursors making the ring because they created all the planets in the universe, right? They created the universe. I mean, they are the gods. They, they are the gods out. of the Halo universe, yeah. if you would. Yeah. Yeah. So and, it's really not much of a stretch at all, or you, you could extend that to the, to the Zalanin and, and their like relationship with the precursors. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah, just really quickly. I just want to say, I know um, the idea of Zeta Halo not being a precursor thing, the idea of, you know, the Harbinger being so connected to the, the precursors or the precursors potentially being the ones that actually locked the Zalanin away um, and the rings when they were lit that being what uh, unlocked the Zalanin from their slumber. I know all these are really out there ideas and there are like all these theories I have in my head. So I don't mean to like exhaust somebody with all these new ideas they might not have heard before, but these are kind of like the things I've been thinking about um, over the past year or so since Halo Infinite released. I'm just trying to put my, my finger on who are these enlisted Zalanin, what, you know, what is going on here. So I don't mean to like, like, just spill too much of my head cannon out there, but that's that's. I mean, I think that. that's what this episode's for is to kind of spill all that stuff out. I think that's what makes it interesting. Um, okay, so this is this is a question that's like you can't really answer, and even if you answer it, the goalposts kind of move on it. So, like, if you look at the universe of Star Wars, and you can tell me maybe you disagree, but like the the most end game thing to happen in the universe of Star Wars is that after the culmination of all these years of, like, Sith, Empire, whatever, you know, Palpatine is kind of the one that's, like, the last vestige of that awful, I don't know what you want to call it, um, tribe of powerful people. And uh, so by the time, you know, obviously there's the original trilogy and then, you know, the sequel trilogy where, you know, that there's the First Order and it comes down to Palpatine again. So... 
obviously the Star Wars universe is still going. A lot of the material we get now is set in between things and not really after it. So it, it appears that the end game of Star Wars has mostly been like taking down the Sith or whatever iteration of them is available all the way down to the point where like the last one holding up the evil is Palpatine and taking him down. So the end game is kind of like taking down Palpatine. What is the, if you had to guess, and I mean, you're, it's a huge shoot shot in the dark because we're probably nowhere near it, if ever, what's the big culminating moment of the Halo universe? Like, you know, back when it was just a simple trilogy, it was like, you know, stop the covenant, save humanity. But like, now that all this lore has been introduced, you got all these threads, you know, as long as Halo is successful and profitable and people are interested, it will always continue. Even if it's like something like Star Wars, where they have like the Mandalorian and the Bad Batch that take place before, you know, maybe, maybe in 40 years, they'll be telling a story about, you know, what happened between Halo 1 and Halo 2, and they'll be like, whoa, you know, this is crazy. This is my grandfather's time of yeah, Halo, cool. and we're getting it. But, like, what's the end game? Like, what do you think is the end game? Is it, like, is it like species, like, realizing that they shouldn't have taken down their gods? Is it, like, the precursors coming back? And, like, I mean, I, I'm just throwing random shit out there. Like, what's the big kind of finality of the Halo universe? If you had Yeah, to- I, man, what a, what a good question. And... And maybe there isn't a finale, but many finales, I guess. Because like, yeah. if you look back at if you look back at Halo Three, right, like like that could have been it, right? Yep. Humanity and the Covenant had uh, a loose alliance. The Flood had been, you know, as far as we knew, defeated, and then Master Chief was MIA. You know, but it wasn't until that legendary ending popped up, and then you saw Chief floating towards Requiem. Then you were like, "Hey, there's more out there." There's more that we can mm-hmm. do with this, um, but Halo Three was was the end game, um, and then man, I don't. Where do you go? Do you do you make it to where humanity and the banished have a loose alliance one with another? Do you make it to where the end game is realizing that you know the idea of the mantle of responsibility needs to be eradicated from the universe to yeah. like totally. Um, are the is everybody coming together to fight against the endless? Is that the end game of of the Halo universe? And then it's it's man, what? Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I don't See, know how. To me, and tell me, tell me what you think. But to me, like, I feel like it has to come back to, in some degree, not not doesn't have to be specifically this, but like the broad in a broad speaking terms, like, and tell me if I'm if I'm misrepresenting something here. But basically, the whole Halo universe revolves around. Hey, there was the gods of the universe, these sentient beings, the precursors. They didn't know violence. They didn't know that type of. I mean, I'm pretty sure it says that in Greg Bear's books that like they didn't really know violence. They just created, and then they created, 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 and then the forerunners, you know, basically surprised them by their violence and attacking them, and it led them to not being able to properly defend themselves because they didn't understand the concept, even though they're more popular or more uh, powerful. So then you have, you know, of course, during Bungie's time, all we knew during Bungie's time is the flood came out of like a black hole in the galaxy and they destroyed everything. And these ancient forerunners we know nothing about created these halo rings that destroyed all living sentient beings because they had no other way to stop the flood. And then once we get like 343 and Greg Bear's trilogy and all this stuff, we get, oh, the flood are actually from the precursors. And that kind of ties into where like, you know, the precursors were, were, were screwed over by their own creations. So the flood is kind of like a way is like payback in a sense. And then you have that like that line from the grave mine that's like, um, 
you know, I'm a monument to all your sins. It's kind of like all the past things that have been done to us. This is our monument to that. This is what's happening. So I feel like the story, to me, narratively, the story would have to conclude on, at least broadly, on some form of like, you know, you shouldn't, something to do with either you like shouldn't turn against your masters or like, or, or like maybe the world has to end because of this and like the flood just consumes all. Of course, that would be a terrible sad ending to Halo, but like it has to have something to do with the precursors and the flood, I feel like, since that's the origin point of pretty much everything. Yeah, I, I, and that's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I was saying like, hey, I don't, I don't necessarily need the flood to come back, but I understand, like, I get that they are foundational to the story of Halo, and yeah, exactly what you were just saying. But the, the thing is though, like, if you, if you write into the narrative that the flood are completely contained, completely controlled, or gone for that matter, um, you have. I don't, you haven't written yourself into a corner, but you have written out a large chunk of the Halo universe. I think the idea in and of itself that the Flood could always return is is good enough for me in the sense that the threat is always looming. And can you ever really take care of the threat? And, and back to your point with like the whole Star Wars piece, like even if Palpatine is taken out, like does that mean the star Wars universe is over or do you just, do you just go on the side stories and you start all these new, these new things that can threaten the the peace of the galaxy? And and is that what you do with halo? And, and personally, I think master chief needs an end game. I don't want it to happen, but I think he needs one fairly soon. If you ask me. Yeah. Well then that's another thing that can like tie all together. Right. Because there's the whole like genes that, um, that uh, the librarian kind of placed in humanity seeds to lead to an eventuality. And like, it's never been confirmed, but a lot of people think that like, maybe like the seeds of isodidact is what is in chief because. Oh, I 100% am behind that being the case. That's 100%. what I feel like. Yeah. Cause like, I, I don't feel like you write the foreigner trilogy the way you do without trying to imply that those seeds have carried on you know, throughout the centuries up until the point where the master chief is here. I just, I I don't feel like you waste all of that good writing to not have the master chief be like, he's supposed to be different, you know, and, and the original halo trilogy called it luck. Right. But we've kind of retconned his luck to be, you know, these, these, the, the planning of the librarian basically. Um, And so yeah, having the isodidex genes in him, I think is 100% plausible, but I, I want to see a good send off to the chief because let's, let's be honest, like Steve Downs at one point is going to retire from voice acting. Like, yeah. you know, he, he just will. He, and, and he should, you know, he should be able to just enjoy himself and not have to do this forever. Um, but at the same time, like we want a really good send off or an end game for the master chief, but I don't think people really want to see him die. <laughs> like, I don't think we're ready for that. Maybe. I don't what know. If, I, I, what I would you know. think if Chief's final like goal, final send-off, was bringing the Isodiadact back to the front of, of the story? Like, that was his final mission, because like, we know that the Isodiadact is still alive. And or that he's he exists in some way. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know... I guess alive is a way to put it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he silexed himself and like put himself in a silex yeah. or something. I don't know, but they, they fired the halo array and then that's it. We don't really like 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we know kind of what he and the others did. It seems implied to me that they're not dead, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And there was a female, I can't remember her name, but there was a female. Chanta Green? It was a chant that he was with at the end. So there's always the potential. There's always the potential that the, there are forerunners, you know, kind of doing their own thing somewhere else. Like, like the ISO enchant, if it was her, and I think it might've been, but basically those two kind of like an Adam and Eve story somewhere else. Right. And, you know, doing their own thing. Um, but yeah, I, I have theorized of kind of like a cool way that I would like to see the chief go out. Um, but I don't know. I, I like I think it would be really cool. Cool might not be the right word, but I think it would be really neat to see Atriox because I know some people want to see Atriox be like the new arbiter, but I don't. I don't really want to see Atriox. Yeah, we have I that. I, I, we have that. I don't want to see the chief and, and the Atriox. I, I like the idea that Atriox is a bad boy. You know, I just like it. Yep. He's, he's a cool, he's a space pirate. And I think space pirates are awesome. Um, and I, I think it would be cool for Atriox to be the one to demask the chief at the end of it all. They, they are fighting each other. Once again, Atriox is the one who finally takes his mask off and defeats him. And we see his face. And somebody like Jerome step up and then just do work on Atriox and like hmm. immediately fill those shoes that the Master Chief had. Like I think it's like in the Master Chief kind of like giving Jerome his blessing to like continue on and stuff like that. Um, but when you talk about like the isodidact stuff and the seeds, like man, Chief has potential for I don't know. There's there's a lot of potential there. Well, and he's not going to die anytime I- soon. Another thing I thought of while you were talking is like I, something else I hadn't considered is like the world doesn't the, the games don't have the story doesn't have to end with you know um, it, it being a lesson about turning against your masters and like that maybe maybe like we haven't really talked about this at all since like Halo three maybe at best but like maybe the point is at some point they need to find out how to actually eradicate the flood like they've never actually figured that out. And maybe maybe Chief has some instrumental part to play in that. Maybe it's bringing back the isodidact. Maybe it's formulating a plan to put it into the 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 flood forever. And maybe like you know, I can just kind of see. I know maybe it's kind of corny to some people, but I can just kind of see like in a post, like in a Halo, like post everything solved world. It's like hey, you know, we made a mistake of like wanting to have the mantle. The foreigners made a mistake of wanting to have the mantle, and then we wanted the mantle. The AI wanted the mantle. We all wanted to be in charge and rule over the universe and, and try to shepherd other species when they don't want to be shepherded. And like it led to this horrible thing that was the flood. And now that we finally defeated the flood, we've learned we've learned a lesson. It's like now it's a time of prosperity in a sense, which it sounds corny, but like that's kind of what all stories that have a definitive end get. Right. Like the idea after Rise of Skywalker is now there's prosperity. You know what I mean? And that's if we're going to give Halo a definitive end. I mean, I, I don't know. But yeah. what if. What if the chief does have the isodidax genes and what if those genes mixed with what the chief has plus his augmentation plus what the library gave him librarian gave him? What if all of this stuff combined is a cure against the flood and the chief has to sacrifice himself in some way to realize yeah. that cure? I don't know. It, there's <clears throat> there's there's a ton of interesting, I guess, theories that we could have, you know, on the future of Halo and, and where it's going to go. But I think one of my biggest um Honestly, I think my only complaint with the Halo story is 
the, the 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 narrative cannot progress past where the master chief is in the current timeline um and so he he has become so important to halo that we can't write books that go past 2560 uh we can't write yeah. books that happen after the events of zeta halo like we just can't like you 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 can't canonically write stuff that hasn't happened um or that the chief has an experience firsthand because he is so central to the franchise. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Um, to me, I don't necessarily like it. I love the idea that we're getting two new books this year and that I can read those books, but I know that they won't be like they, like I worry they can't progress the story forward because the chief hasn't experienced stuff yet. Um, and, well, and so long as he is the central figure, I don't know how far, like we can't move quicker than what the chief moves is more, more so what I'm getting at. I think the tough thing is, is uh, on a, on a base level for both lore nerds and casual audiences. I think what a lot, you know, you can't speak for everyone, but what brings most people to Halo is playing as chief on an alien world, fighting aliens and just being badass. Like that's the base interest of Halo for so many. So they're like, do we want to write off this character who's so integral to that. Also, that's the problem with, like, you know, when they were trying to... It was clear they were trying to, like, bring the Covenant out of the story and bring the Prometheans in so they could make it not just the same thing forever and ever, but it just they didn't have a way to do that to make people, you know, feel comfortable with it moving forward without the, the Covenant races that we've come to know and love. But you actually gave me a perfect segue into, like, what I'll kind of have as, like, our last segment, last question of the podcast. Um, and... To, to preface here, uh, Halo Guy and I have had this conversation and talked about this off-air. None of this is news to us, but this is kind of just us talking about it on-air for fun to kind of get two different perspectives. But one of the things I said and, and Josh kind of said slash agreed with me on pre- previous podcasts is, uh, you know, we love the books, but there's so much being put into the books and the exterior narrative and the games and their narrative is so slow rolling and coming out that we said on a podcast probably five, seven episodes ago, you know, I, I think I said one more, like I'm tired of the books in the sense that like, um, I love the books. And I even said, I'm like, I don't think, I think the bur- the books only help the IP because I think the books have largely been so good. Like, I don't know if I can pick one book that has been like, wow, they really dropped the ball here. Like the, the best I could do is say, well, they, we didn't need a retelling of Combat Evolved in the Flood. That's the best I could do to complain. But even that was still cool. Um, so the books are only doing like good things for the series, and I myself enjoy them. Uh, and I think it helps the IP overall. But, but my argument a few episodes ago was maybe it's hurting the games in the sense of like, the universe has gotten too big for its britches in that so much of the expansion of the world and the story and the characters is done through exterior media that when we come back to the games, which doesn't seem that often anymore, you know, we've had three full FPS games in just over a decade. Uh, it seems like it negatively impacts it. So, you know, what, what do you think? First of all, do you agree with any of that? Are you more, do you, or do you just completely disagree with that Halo guy? And, and either which way, like, what do you think is the best way moving forward? Like, if, if we can't get a new Halo campaign for five years, at least, do you think pumping out as many books as possible is, is good? Maybe it is. I, I'm not saying that's a wrong idea. Or do you think they should slow it down? Just what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so here's 
I'm going to preface this by, by starting out this way. And I think this is something I've tried to explain to you some, because I know me and you kind of see differently on this. I know you don't want the books to overshadow the games. Um, and correct me if I'm not speaking for you correctly. Um, but I know you don't want like three, four, three to have like, Oh, well we got the books. Like, you know, you have content, you know what I mean? And so I'll preface it by saying this, like, if you're listening to this podcast, ask yourself this question, because this is how I see it. Is Halo a video game first or is it a lore and narrative experience first? Now, if you say Halo is a video game first, I think that is a completely valid thing. No disagreements there. It obviously started out as a video game first, but it has grown uh, probably more so than what it can actually contain. Like it's it's outgrown itself, you know, and and I personally don't see Halo as a video game first anymore, personally. And the reason I'm okay with the books and stuff like that coming out is because to me, Halo is a story that I want to digest in any way possible. If it happens to be a game that comes out, I'll play the game. Like, I am not the biggest gamer in the world. I bought an Xbox Series X so I could play Halo. Like, that's it. Like, if not, I'd still probably be rocking my Xbox One X that I bought a couple years ago. But I wanted to have the best experience possible for Halo, so I bought an Xbox Series X. Um, And so for me, Halo is a story first. And it has progressed for me beyond the video games, whether that's a movie or a TV show or a comic book or an audiobook that Haruspis or Alex does on YouTube, because he's done like two of them over the past six months or so. Like, I will take the Halo narrative in, in whatever form that is. There's two books coming out this year. Couldn't be more excited about it. Um, moving forward, I don't think 343 should use the books as a crutch to make an excuse not to have a game. But I also recognize uh, that we're not getting a Halo campaign for a long time. And I think when you guys went on your kind of like book, I don't want to call it a rant because that's not what it was. But when you went on your book kind of like discussion about how you felt about it, I think that was after the layoffs at 343. Um, I think that was the podcast that you guys did that on. And I think all of your points are really valid. But for me, if I know I'm not going to get another game in five years, by golly, I better get some books or comics or something in the meantime. Um, But I don't want that to be the only thing that we get. Mm -hmm. I want games to still happen. Um, cause I, 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 enjoy them, but I don't want to wait five years for a new story. Yeah. I mean, I think literally every single thing you said is fair. Um, I think a lot of what it comes down to is what you, your initial point was like, do you see this as a games first thing? Or do you see this as like a halo at like story first, like a story or experience or whatever you want to call yeah. it? Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, I think cause for me, I mean, if I had to choose one of those options, I guess I would choose game, but to be fair, like. It's the story for me as well. It's it's like Star Wars for people, right? Like the movies are clearly what kicked the thing off, but there is so much more to Star Wars than movies, and so many you could spend years consuming Star Wars content and not watch a film. Um, so it is it is definitely whether you like it or not. You know, somebody can say somebody can say well, it was a game to begin with. Yeah, it was, but like it is it's it's very obviously not just that now. Uh, games are more important to me. It's where I get more enjoyment. But um, I have loved all the extended material uh, from the books to the to the mini shows to even even the Halo TV show that you know it's not the greatest, but I've found a lot of entertainment and joy out of watching it. Um, so there there is those those different angles of how to look at it. Um, as far as like 
what I would have them do, that's the tough thing is like, because if it's going to take, it's going to take, I mean, even in a perfect world, uh, a high budget AAA game takes three years. Like that's yeah, perfect. at the minimum. Yeah. Minimum. And, and likely for Halo, especially with the track record of, of, of these games, uh, it just, it can't, it's probably not going to take three years. And, and the problem with Halo 2 is you got your, you got so many different elements that make it like completely different games. Forge, multiplayer, you know, campaign, co-op, firefight, all that stuff. Um, so I, I guess I don't know what I would tell them to do, what I would want. Like I know what I want them to do is what I want them to do is like, hey, Next year, I have at least a three-hour campaign add-on at the very least. That's what I would love, but it's but, not that But we simple. know that that won't happen, though. It like, won't it's happen. It's almost a guaranteed fact that that won't happen. And yep. I'm not trying to right. dig on them or whatever, but we just know it. Yeah, um, that's where and, they're at and, right now. And back to – yeah, exactly. And, and they're restructuring. They got new leadership. Um, unfortunately, they just experienced all those layoffs. Um, and so we're probably only going to get Halo Infinite stories through – and this is something that maybe we can touch on at a different topic or a different podcast. But like um, we have the Fracture events. I was a big fan of. I don't know how popular they are or not, but they were some of my more popular YouTube videos. Yeah, because um, I, I, think, I think why that was is because not many people were doing the work to to deep dive those and make content on them. I think you're one of the few. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I know Installation 00 did a couple as well. So, um, But anyway, we got the Fractures. We have uh, the multiplayer story in general that apparently is going to get deeper and deeper as we progress. Um, and season two, I get it. It had its it had its flaws or whatever, but it was setting a foundation for what I think we are going to get in season three and season four. Um, so we have that story. We have loose threads that we need to tie up, which uh, and by loose threads, I mean the infinity. Where's the rest of blue team? Where are the other Spartans that were on the infinity? Where's Halsey? Where's Locke? Um and then let's see, is there anything else? Um, but yeah, I mean, we have the, the endless in, in general, but all those other things that I mentioned, like Halsey, the infinity lock, all that other stuff, the loose threads, like, I don't think we're going to get that in a video game. I just don't. And so like, by golly, I better get it in a book or a comic or something yeah. because like, I want to know, I want to know what Captain Lasky is up to. I want to know, and maybe important people, not that they are, aren't important, but maybe like big characters like Lasky and the Infinity. I get that. That probably won't be revealed in a book. That'll be in a video game. I get it. But like you can't tell me like that having a blue a blue team story where the rest of the blue team on Zeta Halo or Spartan Locke as kind of like this Rambo lone wolf figure all by himself yeah. out in Zeta <laughs> Halo. Like you can't tell me that would be a cool book to read. Like it'd be a fun video game to play. Like don't get me wrong. Like that would be an incredible video game, but like that'd be a fun book to read. Um, well, and I don't think we're going to get a video game on it. So like, I would like to know how these stories end and where they exist in the halo world. If, if we can't progress past the chief, the, the, and I don't want to be cheesy, but the possibilities of stories we could have set on Zeta halo, like Rubicon protocol that just came out are, are infinite. Mm -hmm. Like there are yeah. so many individual stories you could pick up on that a game can just wrap it all together in a couple years. And, and, and I think that'd be fun. Yeah, no, I mean, I, to me, um, Infinite or uh, Reach and ODST proved to me back in 2009 that I could enjoy stories just as much without Chief. I, you know, I, I especially 100%. ODST. I love ODST. I love Reach and I love ODST, but ODST even more. Like I care about those characters and that story uh, as more than some of Chief's stories. Um, so it, the potential was definitely there. I guess the last thing, and I said that was my last question, but this kind of made me bring up 
one more <laughs> little question uh, before we get out of here is uh, like, here's the thing you and me, I think are fine. Um, as far as like lore and, and playing the new game in five years, whether there's been books or not, whatever, I think you and I are just fine. But like I said this on a podcast a while ago too. Uh, I've defended for years and years and years, like with the exception of Halo five, I've always thought the games are very approachable, even if you don't read the books and the comics and the shows. Like, when Halo 4 came out, people were like, oh, can't even understand the game unless you uh, read this and this and this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You actually don't... You don't need Greg Bear's trilogy at all to enjoy Halo 4. It's very clear-cut what's happening, but it can be deepened by going to that extended material. You get to yeah. 5, I think people have a little bit of a point when you get to 5. You open up playing as this team of people you never met. There's different things going on. How did this happen? But then you get back to Infinite, and once again, I'm, I'm back in the same camp I was with Halo 4. I'm like, Infinite, you don't need to read books or comics or what. People, some people are like, oh, you got to read Shadows of Reach to understand what's going on. you got to read this. No, I, I don't feel that way at all. But what I finally admitted in the last 10 so podcasts was like, maybe I'm a little biased on that because I still run into people in real life who tell me they didn't know what was going on with Infinite. I have a close friend here who lives nearby who loved Halo Infinite. He says it's his favorite Halo game ever, but he said he ne- he beat the game having no idea who the Banished are or why where they came from in regards to the Covenant he was fighting back in the OG Trilogy days. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess the, the TLDR for me as far as a question for you is when you have a series that's 20 years running in a consistent storyline... Do, do you do you fault the developer for for asking you to do a little homework or or does three four three need to get better about it? I, I don't know. No, abs- I I absolutely do not fault them. Like they, so exactly what you just said. How do you create a new video game that is a continuation of a twenty year story? Like the the chief story is a continuation between Halo One, Halo Two, Halo Three, yep. Halo Four, Halo Five, and Halo Infinite, right? Like it is a continuation of one single person, and then you have your offshoots like Halo ODST or Reach or Halo Wars, separate whatever. But like the chief story, can you really expect them to make another video game of a franchise that's twenty five years plus old, and then make it in a way that someone brand new to it can? can digest it. Like, I just don't think that, I don't think that's a fair ask and, why, and maybe does, I'm wrong, but why do you think Star Wars or why do you think uh, Halo gets such crap, but Star Wars doesn't? I mean, all the new Star Wars stuff asks for you to know all that, right? I mean, oh, it doesn't hundred percent does. And now I'll tell you what there, you know how many Star Wars, let's take the Mandalorian, for example. I love the Mandalorian. Um, didn't know Jack about the like Mandalorian Creed or anything like that before I started watching the, the, the series a couple years ago. Um, and then I would watch breakdowns of the episodes and I would learn so much stuff from the people that were breaking it down. But you know what the Mandalorian did? It set up a universe that I thought was cool. And I was like, you know what? I don't really understand everything's going on, but I think this is a pretty freaking cool universe. I want to learn more about it. And so I jumped into it and I would watch the deep dives and that's all Halo has to do. It has to just create a universe that's cool enough where people are like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I enjoy this. Now let me dive a little bit deeper. And then you have the books and all and the comics yep. and everything else that you can dive into. Because let's be honest, how many people before they played Halo, like Combat Evolved in 2001, how many people read Halo Fall of Reach before they played the video yep. game? The, the video game came out like a month later. So I'm going to go ahead and say probably 99% of the people who played Halo Combat Evolved didn't read the book. 
But what's the first line in Halo Combat Evolved? It's Captain, I almost said Captain Lasky, Captain Keys talking to Cortana and he's like, all I want to know is did we lose them? And then yeah. Cortana goes off and she's like, I think you both know, blah, 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 or whatever. And then she goes on about talking about how Reach, you know, is falling and all this stuff. When you're playing no Halo Combat Evolved, who are you, first of all, who are you running from? What is the planet Reach? And uh, now there's a giant Halo ring in front of us. So I yeah. think I don't I don't want to insult video game this generation of video gamers and say they're lazy learners, but I don't remember that being a discussion in 2001 because all all Halo Combat Evolved did was set up a universe that I thought was freaking cool and I want to learn more about, and then I could dive into yeah. it later. And then I read Halo Fall of Reach and I was like, oh yeah, now all of this makes sense. Um, I, that's all I think Halo needs to do: just make a cool universe and let people who want to know more. They can know more, but you don't need to cater it to a new generation of fans every single time you make a new video game. I guess that's yeah. all I'm saying. You've convinced me further that I, I do think Halo, I think 343 slash Halo as a brand gets a harder time than it deserves with that. Because if you think about, because like, like like we just said, like Star Wars and Marvel, like they get a free pass. And like, if you watch Book of Boba Fett, the bad guy's Cad Bane. Cad Bane's from like an animated series that came out, you know, uh, a decade ago. Uh, then, then like uh, Mandalorian shows up in Boba Fett, so you had to have watched the Mandalorian shows to know why he's there during that story. You know why is he not? Why is he being reunited with Grogu? Uh, you know Luke's there training Grogu. Well, how? Why is Luke here? And how did he train? Like, there's so much interconnectivity with those things. And then yep. Halo Infinite basically. Halo Infinite basically the biggest thing it does. Halo Infinite makes you wonder who are the band. If you haven't played Halo Wars two. Uh, which is fair because it's not the same type of game. It makes you wonder who are the banished, even though it's clear like these are familiar aliens that we fought in the past. So that's more familiar. But but who were the Covenant in Halo Combat Evolved? Like I guess that's my ultimate point. Like like who cares if even if the banished never showed up in yeah. Halo Wars two, even if they're a completely new faction, like I don't know. Like I think people me, give I'm, it more of a pass because it was the first game, whereas like this is coming off the fifth because people will be like, oh, where's the Prometheans and fair. all that, you know? But uh, even. Even so, though, it's still, like, asking far less of you than, like, the Star Wars or Marvel shows are. And even, like, my buddy who I said was confused by the Banish, Halo Infinite was his favorite game. And he still had a great time with it, right? Like, you don't – how many – if we're honest with ourselves, how many things did we experience for the first time and loved unabashedly and didn't really know what was going on? When I first played Halo 2, I didn't understand freaking barely anything in that story. But I think that's my ultimate point, though, is, like – can you if you create a fun experience in a cool universe the people who want to know more will go learn more like yeah if you didn't know anything like i, I played halo 2 for years and didn't quite grasp the story like halo yep. 2 and halo 3 to be perfectly honest with you yep, i feel like halo combat evolves story is like very simple to get yep. there's a lot of nuance in halo 2 and halo 3 if you really get into it um, but I think that's cool. I think if you just create a cool environment, like I'm sure you had an awesome experience with Halo 2, and then that just made you want to learn more and do more about it. And that's all I'm asking 343 to do. And I think they killed it with Infinite, to be honest with you. I know. I Yeah. You and me will be singing the praises of Infinite till we're blue in the face. Because even, even, I mean, yeah. you've heard me on the podcast and you've heard me in the Discord. I'll be like, I don't like this thing about Halo. I don't like this direction right now. It sucks what's going on with 343. And then at the end, I'll go, but Halo Infinite blew me away, exceeded my expectations. I'm very happy with it. Like, I can, I can, I can get on there and agree with people about 
problems with Halo slash 343, but at the end of the day, I still always walk away saying, I loved Infinite and it exceeded my expectations. Like, this is not, don't take my frustrations with the studio or the management or the layoffs and 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 and, and lumping me in with those people who say Halo Infinite was such a disappointment because to me, Infinite was such a, a return to form in so many ways and such a favorite of mine and Halo guys as well. Yeah, and can we not just like just marvel at the fact that Halo Infinite is a miracle game from everything that I've heard rumored that was going on in the studio oh, from yeah. like the amazing so well. Like how in the world and okay, we have a, a game that was created during the pandemic. You had leadership issues, um, and you have people contractors coming in and out and I, reworked I engine. Say, yeah, a reworked engine. Now I don't say any of this to make it sound like I know jack of what was going on inside the walls of 343 because i don't but from what i've seen on the outside the everything was stacked against this game being a good game and by gosh what a fantastic campaign we got like seriously easily i mean i love halo 4 but like this is easily 343's best work that's my opinion like and and we got the halo game that i've wanted to play for for years I mean, ever since I stepped foot on a Halo ring, like, this is the game I wanted to play. And that's why I think Halo Infinite has so much potential. Like, can you imagine, like, in a future game where the Infinity is on the ring and it becomes, like, this central hub of the game and you can travel to different parts of the ring? Like, each DLC added on is like, hey, this is a new area of the ring we can explore. Hey, Ancient Humanity lived... Like, this is an Ancient Humanity DLC and we get to go explore, you know, where they used to live on, on this part of the ring. Like... There is so much potential, and I try not to think about Halo, I guess, in that way too much because I know the studio can only produce what it can produce. And I was thinking to myself yesterday, I was traveling a lot yesterday, so I was thinking to myself about Halo and like gaming and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? Not all AAA studios are created equal, and we shouldn't treat them like that because I hear people say, well, Call of Duty does blah, 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 or Apex does blah. It's like, that's cool. But that's Call of Duty and that's Apex. Like, not everyone's created equal. Not all studios can produce the same stuff. And we should be... Content. Call of Duty has, like, 18 independent studios that all conglomerate around a, uh, Call of Duty every year. So Yeah, exactly. And to be honest with you, and, like, I know this is kind of going off topic a little bit of, like, the future of Halo, but, like, I really wish we could just get some gratitude in the gaming world and just, like, people be appreciative for the things that they have. Like, yeah. like we live in a, a freaking amazing time where gaming has never been better. Like, I get it, that high ping fluctuations and desyncs, like, that, it's not fun. But, like, it's a it's a freaking miracle <laughs> that that we can even play online together and, and have fun and stuff like that. And I think we, if we were a little bit more grateful about the little things, we would be a little bit more patient on the bigger things that, that hopefully are coming around the corner, so to speak, for, for Halo. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think we spent so much time belaboring the point about being positive and being appreciative that it's one of those things where, like, you know, the the voices on the internet are always louder when they're negative. You know, so it's almost like we had we have our little light that kind of shined as like oh positive and like appreciative, and then but the thing is, if if we don't keep belaboring our point nonstop day in day out we just get drowned out by the the negativity you know so while while there's while there's the loudest people are complaining about halo infinite there's people on the sidelines or sometimes in the spotlight like halo guys sometimes in the spotlight like us um but a lot of times on the sidelines saying hey we're happy we're just you know we're we're 
we're quieter about it. You know, we, we, we speak up, we make, you make videos, we make podcasts, stuff like that. But like, you know, our, our contentment breeds, uh, less desire to flood the internet with rage, you know? So yeah, that's part a lot of, of being content yeah. though, is just like, you kind of just go with it because you're okay yeah. with it, you know? But you know, if, if I, I know you're, we're trying to close here, but I just want to like end on this last note while we're talking about positivity, like, whether it comes in a video game or a book or whatever medium, like I, as far as lore is concerned, I am excited for the future of Halo's lore. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Like, Hey, like we got one of our own on the team right now. You know, Alex is yeah. up there sure. and um, there's just so many cool things. Like I, I even, we got 10 seconds in that last season three trailer. we got 10 seconds of lore like the narrative piece of it. The rest of the trailer was multiplayer stuff, but there's 10 seconds of just cool, like looking at Spartan Den and like the amount of theorizing I did on that. And like the amount of like, I don't know, just ideas that I have of where this could potentially go and how excited I am for it. That was 10 seconds. Like I'm excited for Halo's story. I'm excited to see where it can go. I'm saddened at the fact that we lost a lot of great people at 343 this year and i don't think that can ever be you know overstated like it it breaks my heart because these are real human beings um but on the lore side of things like i'm excited halo has an awesome future like there's so there's so much stuff to be excited about if you're into halo lore um and we get lore stuff all the time i made a post about this on twitter the other day like i went back and i watched all the narrative clips from the Academy, like that initial, like in Halo Infinite, you you arrive at the Academy with Spartan Agreement. Yeah. I watched all that. I watched all the season two stuff. I went back and I read all the story and intel drops that they post on Halo Waypoint. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, I got a lot more than I actually realized I did um, over the past year or so with, with Halo Infinite. And I'm excited. And it's just going to keep, like the ball is going to keep rolling and rolling faster. Um, and so I think lore fans, we're going to be eating well this year between the, the, the multiplayer narrative events we're going to get between the fracture events that we're going to get. Um, we're going to at least get after season three, at least probably two more seasons. So that's more narrative stuff that we're going to get seasons four and five. Um, and then we got two books coming out this year. So I think like we should be happy. We should be content. Yeah. I mean, there, if, if you're, if you're talking about the future of Halo is in like, you know, oh, we just saw 343 have a bunch of layoffs and restructuring and campaign team leaving. I can see the bleakness there. But as far as what the future of Halo holds after playing Infinite and its surrounding material, it's more exciting to me than I've been excited in a decade plus. Like 100%. Yeah. Can't, what I, they've I agree set with up. you wholeheartedly. Yep. Yeah. So there's there's different it's there's different elements there and there's nuance. You know, it's, it doesn't it's not it's not black and white as to where like it's all bad or it's all good. Like Halo as an IP, uh, great setup, great future to look forward to. Um, Halo as a development studio, yeah, it's a little rocky right now, but hopefully that'll get uh, course corrected. But um, but yeah, guys, uh, this probably will be one day at some point a ten part lore series because obviously Halo guy and I could uh, and, and Josh when he's here could go on is. Uh, for a very long time but we'll go ahead and wrap this up here i think this is a good part three uh thank you very much halo guy for for being here again uh, do you want to shout out your me. stuff once again your where to find you yeah i um 
let me just say, finish by saying like, I'm super appreciative of you guys letting me be on here and that I have been able to do three episodes with you. And I think it's been super fun. Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout out you guys first. And then as far as like my own content, like if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's cool. Um, if you want to follow me on, on YouTube, I think that's cool. Um, if you search Halo Guy on YouTube, I'm one of the first things to pop up now. So, I mean, it's yeah. I've kind of I've kind of grown a little bit. Yeah, it is. It is a cool feeling. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm at Halo Guy YouTube on Twitter and just at Halo Guy on YouTube. I try to make content when I can. I have a family. I have a, a full-time job that has nothing to do with content creation. Yep. So I kind of do it as a hobby whenever I get a shot, you know. But if you want to see more of my thoughts, I usually just post on Twitter when I have something I just got to get out of my head. But thank you guys for, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Every every time we've got to chat, in, uh, both inside and outside of the podcast, has been awesome. So we look forward to having you back again soon. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast where we talk about lore here with uh, Halo Guy. We love you guys. Thank you so much. And as always, keep it sacred.